Coming up on We Talk News this week. I hope you really That's Jim Belushi, Oregon grower, movie actor, and producer. He was the headliner at the Harvest Cup in Worcester, Massachusetts. We've got a full report in this week's Bay State Cannabis Report. Plus, an agreement in principle in New York State to lift the licensure injunction and start back up offering fair access to all in that state. Pam Schmiel has more from New York. Plus, the Shinnecock Nation opens up their dispensary on Long Island despite being left at the Capitol altar by Tilt Holdings. Ready? While Cheech and Chong cut the ribbon on their new dispensaries in Massachusetts called Cheech and Chong's Dispensoria. All that and Coast to Coast Cannabis Reports on We Talk News with Elena Pinto next. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Weed Talk News, pro-cannabis media's weekly news roundup of industry news from coast to coast. I'm Elena Pinto. When the state of New York passed adult use laws a few years ago, they had hoped to create a template for a fair and equal access to licenses to those who were most impacted negatively by the failed war on drugs. Unfortunately, that intention has been negated in practice by ignoring veteran groups who successfully stopped the licensure process altogether thanks to a court order. Now there might be an agreement of a settlement to get the licensing process going again. Our New York correspondent is Pam Schmiel, and she has more in her New York report, now sponsored by the Union Square Travel Agency. I'm Pam Schmiel with the New York Cannabis Report, sponsored by the Union Square Travel Agency, one of the first legal dispensaries in New York City. A lawsuit by New York's disabled veterans shut down the social equity program in New York last summer and put a halt to their dispensary plans. It seems that the lawsuit may be dropped since the veterans submitted a letter to the court yesterday claiming both parties have agreed to a settlement. Let's hope this gets approved quickly so that the social equity entrepreneurs can get on with their businesses. And a leaked audio recording was obtained by the New York Cannabis Insider newspaper, where the Office of Cannabis Management was heard discussing the problem of out-of-state companies offering large amounts of money and making flush deals to get into the New York marketplace. They decided not to enforce against these companies out of fear of disrupting the supply chain and does not plan to deal with the situation until 2024. No one should be above the rules, says John Vavallo, president of the Association of New York Cannabis Processors, and the only people who are not playing by the rules are frankly winning. And a bank in Queens may be in hot water over cannabis. 
the state of Maine Wire newspaper reported that Asian transnational criminal organizations operate more than 270 illegal marijuana cultivation sites in Maine, according to a leaked memo from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. New York's Quantic Bank, based in Queens, New York, is responsible for 60 or more of those transactions where land in Maine was purchased by single Chinese adults. And ending with some good news, the Shinnecock Indian Nation on Long Island has finally opened its doors to the Little Harvest Dispensary where all products are grown and manufactured on the reservation. And that's this week's New York Cannabis Report. I'm Pam Schmiel for Weed Talk News. The New York Cannabis Report is sponsored by Union Square Travel Agency, a new travel agency in New York City. That's right. This Union Square Travel Agency specializes in journeys of a different kind. They sell cannabis. Visit them at 13th and Broadway or unionsquaretravelagency.com. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of reach of children and pets. In case of accidental ingestion or overconsumption, contact the National Poison Control Center and consume responsibly. One week after Ohio voters approved legal use and sales of cannabis to adults, there's mixed feedback about the role that state legislator might have with abiding by their citizens' wishes. We have a new Ohio correspondent named Harry Bernstein, who has been a content contributor on other pro-cannabis media productions while being sought after legal expert on the industry in that state, too. So here's Harry's Ohio Cannabis Report. Hi, this is Harry Bernstein with Verde Compliance Partners with the Ohio Cannabis News for We Talk News. The first story I think we should talk about is the passage of Ohio's adult use uh, legislation um, last week by almost 60 percent of the Ohio voters. It gives the legislator nine months, the legislation, nine, legislators nine months to put in place regulations for the adult uh, use sale of cannabis for people over 21 years old. Uh, they have nine months to implement that, and they're going to start working on that bill. Initially, there was a lot of opposition to that, uh, which leads us to our second story, which is a, discusses a meeting between Governor Mike DeWine, the Speaker of the House Stevens, and the Senate President Huffman. They met earlier this week uh, to discuss what changes they would like to make, and indications are they toned down their opposition a little bit. Primarily, they're stating they're going to look at uh, THC limits and taxes. That takes us to our third story, a press conference from the Cannabis for People Coalition, which are supporters of the uh, adult use legislation, who have indicated that they're willing to sit down and have these discussions with the opposition to meet in the middle and to make the sausage, as it were. So within 12 to 18 months, any adult in Ohio can go into a store and buy what they would like to buy with reasonable regula regulations and reasonable taxes. This has been Harry Bernstein with Verde Compliance Partners with the Ohio Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. One of the biggest challenges in every legal cannabis state is following the restrictions for marketing. Even in states that allow marketing of cannabis on billboards, many struggle to get the word out about their locations, let alone what products they have available to sell. One legal medical marijuana dispensary in Mississippi is filing a lawsuit under the First Amendment since 
He feels that state's regulations limiting his ability to reach his market are unfair and unconstitutional. You will also find disclaimers about substance abuse that accompany many of the messages that are allowed, but you won't hear or see anything on mass media like television or commercial radio. On podcasts, you might see or hear messages that do not include calls to action or special sales that many dispensaries have to offer in order to keep operating. Recently, one dispensary in Massachusetts and a few in Maine had been part of a survey run by USA Today for the best, quote, shopping for a cannabis dispensary on the seacoast of northern Mass, New Hampshire, and Maine. Since New Hampshire does not have adult use, USA Today had to remove that category from their list of best of. However, for CNA stores and Mark's Organics in Maine, they feel victimized. Both were named as finalists or winners in this consumer contest. But seven days before the award ceremony, USA Today pulled the plug on this category, leaving those dispensaries off the list with an award in recognition that they had put a lot of marketing efforts into. We paid, you know, $2,700 and spent three months selling those, you know, telling people to go vote all for their improved values. And then to get it pulled out from under us seven days before we were to pick up our award. And we were, you know, we were told, um, and I'm not going to name the source because they they will get in 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 a good amount of trouble for telling us this. Um, we we won, but when it comes to my community, and when it comes to our staff, I will I will say it's unfair to them, both our consumers, our staff, and I will I will die on that hill to defend those folks, and I will die on the hill to defend the defend the main businesses that also work incredibly hard for this. And they were also denied. In California, the challenges of operating inside the legal structure in the nation's number one cannabis market continues. One in Orange County City, just outside of LA, is suing their host city for $10 million for delaying their approval. So two years ago, they got state approval and a license. But now, The city of Costa Mesa is not communicating with high seas at all about the delay. That dispensary has $110,000 in monthly costs to keep up the property, waiting for city, final city approval. So with more from California, here's Lavana Vasso. I'm Lavana Vasso from the Bay Sash reporting for PCM with this week's California report for We Talk News. Did you hear about the dispensary in Costa Mesa that was licensed by the state two years ago and is still waiting for its local approval? Now there are reports they are suing the county and city. Unfortunately, this is a common story for many California cannabis businesses. On November 7th, High Tide Dispensary released a press release that alleges the city is stalling and demands the government issue them their cannabis permit immediately. High Seas reported that the business spent the past two years following a rigorous application process that includes successfully securing a state cannabis license, a city business license, and a conditional use permit through a public hearing, and completing all city inspections with approval. They also claim they have invested over $10 million in startup costs and capital assets, and that now the city won't respond to them about when they can open. Like many cannabis business entrepreneurs, they have been stuck in limbo for a long time. 
The dispensary reports that their monthly burn rate is $110,000, including staff, lease, and insurance. Back in 2018 and 19, the first years of the recreational market, there was instances with several legacy medical farms who emptied their savings to apply for costly applications and fees and ended up being zoned out and left out. Since then, the DCC has admitted to some of their failures at successfully bringing the legacy market operators over to the recreational market. In March of this year, lawmakers approved an audit seeking to root out bribery, conflicts of interest, and other corruption in cannabis licensing after a pattern of many scandals in local government. That's this week's California Cannabis Report. I'm Lavana Vassa from PCM reporting for We Talk News. Did you know that back in the 18th century, Maine and Massachusetts were one state? It took 35 years for Maine to be granted statehood separately from Massachusetts, one of the original 13 colonies. Now, both states have vibrant cannabis markets, but Maine has seen a battle between adult use and medical caregivers for just about a decade since cannabis was legalized. And now one of its most well-known passionate caregivers, Uncle Pete Tranchmontaine, has taken on a leadership role in getting both sides to join a powerful union in that state. It's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers who have welcomed in Uncle Pete's main cannabis union into their nonprofit organization. PCM founder Jimmy Young talked with Uncle Pete this week. This uh, August, I had enough. I asked the union to meet me down at the NECAN in Augusta, and uh, I was going to sign a card and start paying membership dues. And lo and behold, I found out that me and one other guy uh, that signed with me because I was doing it, he says, I'll do it too. We were the only dues-paying members, so we could kind of vote on everything. And as soon as that happened, all the board members quit. And I got my dream team. I, I ended up like if you were in Maine, Jimmy, I would have called you and said, Jimmy, you know, I, I think you want to be a part of this. This is everything we can protect, the medical, the rec, and the research industry all in one. Um, they're playing us against each other. So if you were rec, you would be mad at Uncle Pete because I'm not paying an excise tax of $300 per pound. That'll kill the, the crap cannabis. Um, also, there's an excise tax of 150 for trim, which I find totally there's no other way to say it. I find that totally offensive. So how do you help the cultivator, which makes the least amount in this industry, okay? Because we all know that's true. Mm -hmm. Let's take that exercise tax and shove it and go back to the cash register. Um, you can, for, for adult rec, you can pay for that at the cash register, increase, increase the percentage. I think it's, 10.5% in the state of Maine. You you bring that up to 15, 20%. Um, that'll take care of all those excise taxes. Now Rex's not pissed off at medical thinking they got one up on us. Um, we can straighten that out with one simple like workshop with the state once we're ready. Um, these are some of the examples that we can fix. With Uncle Pete's political experience and his passion for the cause that is legendary in the state of Maine, he can get all sides to work together so that that industry can grow successfully together. You can find Uncle Pete's story in the archives of the new ProCannabisMedia.com website. Next up, Missouri. 
where Brandon Jones continues to carve out a leadership role of his own in that show me state. Hey everybody, it's Brandon Jones with B Green Distribution, Missouri Cater Support for We Talk News. And yeah, I'm out with the public in the community. This is the Kansas City Formal event, trying to normalize and break the stigma again of cannabis here. We're doing it in Missouri at a private spot where, yes, you can consume even flour in the back, though I'm not going to consume on camera, but yes, you're allowed. And up front, you are allowed to actually dab and vape and do all that. There's a DJ playing all that kind of stuff. And if you haven't noticed, Missouri hit one billion. We passed that mark, guys. They didn't think we'd do it here. And yes, we have. Hey, California, yes, we're number two, but we're in the Midwest. So check us out. Come out to Kansas City, lots of events. Again, the normal guy. There goes George, the founder of Kid Rock and Rock Heritage. You just did it. It's okay. <laughs> so again, I'm Brandon Jones with B Green Distribution. Missouri Cater Support for We Talk News. Have a great week. Stay educated and medicated. When you are a multi-state operator in the cannabis business, you can expect to have multiple targets on your back. Case in point is Cureleaf, based in Massachusetts, but operating all over the world as one of the largest companies in this space. When you are that big, you know you will be target of multiple lawsuits. And that's what Cureleaf is facing in the state of Arizona. Karen Black has more in her Arizona Cannabis Report. I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting with the Arizona Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. First up, Curaleaf is in a couple court battles in the Copper State. The first is a dispute over the company's firing of employee Nissa King, who's claiming anti-union bias and involves the National Labor Relations Board in D.C. Circuit Court. The second centers around Curaleaf's deal to acquire the Trite Companies, which has locations in Arizona, back in October of last year. Trike claims Curaleaf slashed nearly $13 million off its working capital calculations, effectively reducing the $85 million price tag. The case is being litigated in Delaware Chancery Court. In other legal news, Arizona cannabis consultant Arvin Salam continues his battle with the Healing Center Wellness Center and nonprofit dispensary Emerald City Organics. He's seeking 4% of the marijuana entitlements revenue from a consulting and joint venture agreement dating back to 2013. Salam recently filed a motion to move the case to federal court while defendant Elizabeth Stavola wants to keep it in the state, claiming Arizona's case consolidation law is unsettled and Mr. Salam's allegations are baseless. In business news, Phoenix's Tilt Holdings just released its third quarter results, and they're largely positive. Revenue saw a 10% boost compared to quarter two, and net loss improved by over 44%. However, gross profit and gross margin both took a bit of a hit. Tilt wrapped up the quarter with $2.8 million in cash, cash equivalents, and restricted cash. Aspergillus has raised its ugly head yet again in Arizona. Globe Pharmacy voluntarily recalled some of its hash and concentrates for possible contamination. Fortunately, no illnesses have been reported to date. That's this week's Arizona Cannabis Report. I'm Karen Black from Greenfinger Consulting reporting for Weed Talk News. Speaking of multi-state operators, Cresco Labs out of Chicago continues to see poor performance year over year but they continue to slash costs while seeing modest growth in their growing commitment to retail. 
what impact has this dismal third quarter report had on the publicly traded company? So let's ask our cannabis stock guru, Doug Miller, who reports every week in his High on Wall Street segment. Here he is. I'm Doug Miller from High on Wall Street with this week's cannabis stock report for Weed Talk News. Cresco Labs reported their third quarter financial results. They had revenue of $191 million and a gross profit of $94 million. As of September 30th, 2023, current assets were $303 million, including cash, cash equivalents, and restricted cash of $113 million. They had senior secured term loan debt, net of discount and issuance, cost of $385 million, and a mortgage loan net of discount and issuance cost of $18 million. We have $416 million in assets and $403 million in debt. Let's see how this is affecting the stock chart. It's trading around 222, and it just bounced off the bottom about a week ago, and it's running to the top. Looks like it still has some room to run, but lock in those profits because it's going to top out and dip and then give you another opportunity to trade it. And that's this week's Cannabis Stock Report reporting for Weed Talk News. I'm Doug Miller. One of the most respected regions for growing cannabis is Oregon, one of the first states to legalize adult use. Now that the state has merged two major business associations, the work begins on that collaboration. Marianne Krasaji has our weekly report from Oregon. I'm Marianne from Alibi with this week's Oregon Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The OLCC's new executive director, Craig Prinz, is working hard to restore the agency's reputation. Director Prince joined the cannabis industry at the Chow meeting this week and shared his vision for a more rational regulatory environment with predictable enforcement and reasonable rules. We hope the agency lives up to his vision. Today, the OLCC commissioners will vote on adopting permanent rules requiring cannabis retailers to provide certificates of tax compliance for license renewals. They will also vote on updated rule changes. Hopefully these combined efforts will include industry suggestions that were provided during the Rules Advisory Committee meetings. And finally, Oregon cannabis brands have gained a reputation for stellar quality. Arguably some of the best flower in the nation is grown in Oregon and the continued delay of the federal government in legalizing cannabis continues to create a difficult business environment. In spite of that, Oregon businesses are forging ahead. Oregon will be heavily represented at MJ Biz in Vegas this year. Look for Alibi, Astral Treats, Exotic Blends, and other brands as you enjoy all the excitement of Vegas. That's the Oregon Cannabis Report for this week. I'm Marianne with Alibi for Weed Talk News. Now let's head back out to the West Coast in Washington State. You would think, as one of the first states to decriminalize cannabis, they would already have a law that protects the growing of the plant medicine at home. But that is still a felony in that neck of the woods. Matthew Friedlander reports that policy has to change, and they are right in the middle of making those changes when their next legislative session starts. Here he is. Hello, everyone. Matthew Friedlander coming to you from the owner's office here at Skagit Organics with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. My report today is going to focus on some cannabis issues we expect to see in our upcoming legislative session, 
as well as a few broader issues that are going to affect the entire cannabis industry all around the country. Uh, so Washington uh, still home grow is still illegal. Uh, we expect to see legislation again to legalize home grow. It is a class C felony here in Washington. Uh, we need to rectify that immediately. Been working on that for six years. Uh, we also expect to see legislation that will remove the excise tax for medical cannabis patients on medical cannabis products at the retail stores. We do still have a medical cannabis program here in Washington, uh, and this is an attempt by the LCB to help revitalize that program. On a larger scale, uh, some things that loom large for the entire industry, THCA flour being sold online and across state lines. Uh, most of us, I believe, in the industry understand that this is just cannabis. Um, people are using some loopholes in the farm bill to uh, make this happen. Uh, we also are expecting uh, the AGs or the governors of Washington, Oregon, and California to be asking the federal government for clarification on interstate commerce for cannabis. Uh, there's already been, I believe, a few states where interstate commerce has been deemed to be unconstitutional through some lawsuits. Uh, but similar to the coal memo uh, that came out that allowed a lot of medical uh, markets to come to life and recreational markets, uh, the coal memo stated that the DOJ would not interfere in state cannabis markets. I believe we're going to be looking for a similar memo that will clarify whether or not the DOJ will stop cannabis companies from shipping cannabis across state lines. Obviously, uh, this would open up a lot of avenues for a lot of different companies. It'll be an interesting th thing to see uh, how this one plays out. So that's what I've got for you today. I'm Matthew with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We constantly recognize that the cannabis grower is really the superstar of the industry. There are growing competitions all over the world now. And in Massachusetts, the oldest and biggest is the Harvest Cup held in Worcester every year. PCM founder Jimmy Young was on hand this past weekend where another advocate, Jim, stole the show. Here's his Bay State Cannabis Report for the week. I'm PCM founder Jimmy Young, and this is the Bay State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. This past weekend, Massachusetts played host to three of the most recognized and well-known cannabis advocates who all have a show business background. Now, we'll start in Watley for a ribbon cutting of the new Cheech and Chong Dispensoria. Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong are legends of the cannabis culture after their appearances in Up in Smoke, a movie from the 70s that is still considered a classic. There will be three of these rebranded Cheech and Chong dispensorias located in the western part of Massachusetts all along Route 91 in Watley, Deerfield, and Northampton. All carry the comedic Legends brands and quite a crowd showed up on Saturday to their new Watley location to talk and meet with the cultural icons and sample some of their products. Now Cheech and Chong aren't the only major Hollywood celebrities who are pro-cannabis. About 30 minutes away in Worcester is where you'll find the 7th Annual Harvest Cup, and you will recognize who else was there. It's none other than growing Belushi star, Jim Belushi. 
These are the events that those in the cannabis industry support as a means to generate leads and exposure for their companies and services. Now in its seventh year, the Harvest Cup in Worcester is one of the oldest in the Bay State. Organizers Jeremy and Jen Borgeson recruit a few dozen judges who, over a 10-day period, come up with the winners in 19 categories. This weekend, they handed out awards in dozens of categories from edibles to flour to resin to CBD to concentrates. This year, the organizers brought in some celebrity cachet and added Jim Belushi, who has been waving the pro-cannabis flag in his growing Belushi syndicated TV series over the last few years. The grower, producer, movie star, and blues brother signed autographs for over an hour, but the highlight was his appearance at the after-show party at the Palladium with the Sensi Magazine All-Star Band. For Jake Boynton of Sensi Magazine, it was a dream come true just to be on stage with the celebrated actor, advocate, and grower. Since I was probably six years old, I don't know when the first time I saw the Blues Brothers, but uh, I was young, probably too young. But um, yeah, they definitely inspired me. I mean, the fact that they're in a family band and they're doing this, you know, you know, whole sort of comedy music thing, and it's just, you know, it's inspired me to want to start a similar kind of thing. And you know, I got my brother Jim in the band tonight, and. You know, it's just a, a dream come true. Congratulations to all the winners and participants in this year's Harvest Cup. That's this week's Bay State Cannabis Report. I'm PCM founder Jimmy Young reporting for We Talk News. Another of the many issues facing the now legal cannabis industry in 24 states for adult use is where to consume it. Lighting up in public places is a constant issue in the newer legal states because until official regulations are introduced, and that sometimes takes a few years, the public commits regular acts of civil disobedience with firing up in public places, usually outdoors where the pungent smell becomes more noticeable. So where can you consume this plant medicine? Every state has different laws, unless you are in New York City, where ignoring the law is a common activity among those who also frequent the hundreds of illegal stores in that city. Now in Connecticut, some cities and towns are introducing new ordinances that work like a ban, especially in public places. Case in point, the town of Simsbury in Connecticut. You may not go to jail anymore, but you will pay a hefty fine. If you're like me, you're dying to find out every week what's happening as far as legalization goes, decriminalization. Are we going to deschedule this plant at medicine or not? One man who's in the trenches every week in Washington, D.C. is Andrew Berenger. Here's the latest on what's going on in our nation's capital. I'm Andrew Berenger with this week's D.C.'s Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Now, at the federal level, the House Rules Committee has once again stifled efforts to advance cannabis reform legislation, blocking consideration of several amendments on the floor. A bipartisan measure to protect all state cannabis programs from federal interference was among those prohibited from reaching a vote by this committee. That amendment passed the House previously, but has yet to become a law. The only thing that was able to be renewed was shielding of medical cannabis states. 
The panel also rejected amendments that would prevent federal drug testing of employees for cannabis, shield jurisdictions, and legalizing cytosillin mushrooms, and also allowing cannabis sales in Washington, D.C. Now, in contrast, a proposal from anti-cannabis Congressman Pete Sessions to block federal cannabis rescheduling was itself blocked by the committee. Now, as we know, rescheduling is currently under review by the Biden administration with hopeful updates by the end of the year. Advocates express disappointment that Congress continues suppressing measures to align outdated federal cannabis laws with the will of the voters in the majority of states. Lawmaker Earl Blumenauer said the Ohio election shows the public isn't waiting for D.C. to catch up on reform in reference to Ohio becoming the 24th legal adult use state for cannabis in the country. The Rules Committee has long stood in the way of cannabis proposals from even getting a fair hearing on the House floor. Despite public opinion shifting rapidly on the issue nationwide, a small group of lawmakers still hold major reform hostage in Congress. Well, that will do it for me in the D.C. Area Report this week. Once again, I am Andrew Berenger reporting for We Talk News. In New Jersey, more new local dispensaries are opening up in that relatively new market. But like so many other legal states, the disparity in price needs some due diligence by the consumer. The Asbury Park Press did some investigating and found that the cheapest price for an eighth can be just 20 bucks. That's about $26 cheaper than the state average for the same amount. If you are looking for the best deal in the state, you will have to head towards Egg Harbor Township. And you will find Brutes Roots. And there you can find an eighth for just 23 bucks. With more from New Jersey, here's Jill Goldsbury. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jill here with the New Jersey Report. And here's what's going on. The CRC this week has released some new guidelines and regulations regarding edibles. The current regulations, under the current regulations, the New Jersey statutes allow cannabis in the following forms of oils, syrups, tablets, things like that. Under the new regulations, we'll allow additional ingestible forms, such as baked goods, candies, jams, jellies, cookies, things like that, and chocolates, my favorite. Um, which brings us to the next story. If you know the brand called Butter Cake, it's a very well-known New Jersey brand in cannabis circles. It's New Jersey owned and operated, minority female owned and operated by New Jersey native Martha Figaro. Well, Butter Cake has some good news coming up. You're about to be able to find them in 10 New Jersey dispensaries starting next month. And they're launching a brand new product. Guess what the product is? It's a dissolvable THC strip. That's right. Easy, digestible, dissolvable. So we'll look out for that next month. And if you're looking for some things to do cannabis related this weekend, got you covered. The currency, the smoke currency tour is in town. Thunder Walker is in town. If you don't know who she is, you better ask somebody. Go to her Instagram for more information about the tour. But Thunder Walker is bringing her smoke currency tour to Atlantic City. And they are going to be doing a whole host of events from a town hall Friday the 17th to a masquerade ball on the 18th Saturday. For more information on the Smoke Currency Tour, check out Thunder Walker 
at I am Thunder Walker on Instagram for more information. I'm Jill here with the New Jersey Report and catch you the week after next because Thanksgiving is coming up. So eat, drink, smoke, whatever you do. Have a great time and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for watching. Now with our Canadian Cannabis Report, here's Debbie Facey. This is your Canadian correspondent, Debbie Facey with We Talk News with the Canadian Talk of the Week. So what we have in Canada this week is the Normal campaign. So Normal had launched a campaign when it came to our edible content, or edible percentage, I should say. Right now we have a percentage of 10 milligrams per package. They are requesting an increase of 100 milligrams per package due to the consumer demand, the elect market, and the reasoning of wanting to reduce the waste that some of these edible companies or I guess companies are creating. With that being said, there are some things that we should be taking in consideration, especially as Canadians and especially when it comes to edibles. Edibles is something that we don't have too much information on, especially when it comes to the bioavailability in each individual person. Also with that, we don't necessarily know how the interaction with each person, but also with each cannabinoid and each ingredient. I find with a 100 milligram increase, that will not only promote more of a induce of people wanting to increase, but also it won't necessarily answer any of the questions as to what these consumers actually need or what they're looking for. With that being said, when it comes to the waste consumption, that is also a great thing to also be thinking of and taking into consideration. But we do have to be thinking of our individual bodies as well as how all of these cannabinoids are going to be interacting with a higher percentage, with higher cannabinoids, with higher terpene profiles, and less education and knowledge to be able to provide our consumers. This is Debbie Facey, your Canadian correspondent with We Talk News with the Canadian Talk of the Week. Peace. And finally tonight, since Thanksgiving is next week and we will not be producing a We Talk News show, you are probably starting to notice that holiday advertisements are upon us as Christmas is only five weeks away. So what do you get that weed connoisseur in your life? The New York strategist posted a few items one that we recommend here at Pro Cannabis Media is the One Hit Wanda. Perfect for microdosing. But you might also want to look online to find products like a glass fruit pipe or Pax Vape or the mini Elevate Jane Mimi or any grinder is a gift that just keeps on giving. Or you can just follow what the legendary Cheech Marin says when asked what his favorite strain of cannabis is. Cheech says the free one. So share with your friends. It's truly the best way to say hi. That's this week's Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto. And remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. So use it responsibly. And happy Thanksgiving, everyone. marketing these and yes i'm pitching to you 
That's Steve Levine, the inventor and principal behind the One Hit Wonder. And this little efficient device is getting rave reviews. And there's more uses than just a One Hit Wonder. The One Hit Wonder, you get a 50 milligram hit. So if you used a one-hitter or dugout before, you know the challenges. Steve's one-hit wonder is easy to clean, use, and enjoy. Standard one-hitters do not work. We're afraid to inhale. The one-hit wonder has a built-in ash catcher. So inhale like it's your last breath. Suck the ash right through. Get it at onehitwonder.com. We are... Pro Cannabis Media.